Welcome to Friday on the Puro Pelka Podcast. Mike here with so many things to get to. We're going to try and get to all of them. And I believe Lauren Fix, the car coach, is popping in. We talk to Lauren each and every week. And uh, you get great advice about what's going on in the automotive world and how you can get things working better for you and your car, etc. Coming up a little bit later. And, uh, well, where do we start? You know, the news media has been beating everything out of the Biden speech last night. But here's my complaint about Biden's speech and and the timing, etc. Monday was a holiday. Monday was, was Memorial Day. And Joe did a couple of typical Memorial Day things. Visited cemeteries, honored our military dead, people who died wearing the uniform. And that's appropriate. Went and visited his son's grave, Hunter, buried in a church cemetery in Wilmington, Delaware. Know it well. My father-in-law is buried just a few feet away from where Hunter is buried. And then Joe went to work on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And on Thursday evening last night, he gave a speech demanding that Congress do something about guns. You know, that's the the do something speech. And it was very dramatic. He had all these candles lined up behind him and uh, he did the whispering thing. And he's also pointing out what this administration is planning on doing. The Democrats and the Biden administration are going to demonize Republicans over a Second Amendment right. And they're going to try and make this the election issue because they can't win on the economy. They can't win on what they're doing in uh, in baby formula world. They can't win on what they're doing in energy. And people still haven't forgotten about the disastrous, deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan. So this administration has so many negatives, and there are many, many more, that they're going to try and throw this on the gun issue which we know is a mental health issue. Good people with guns are not the problem. Responsible gun owners are not the problem here. But the Democrats aren't going to let that go away. Yesterday, in Congress, there was a 10-hour hearing, a 10-hour debate over the six laws that the Democrats want to package into a gun bill. And the Judiciary Committee was meeting on this. And thank God for Congressman Thomas Massey. Congressman Massey addressing the Judiciary Chairman and the rest of the committee about these bills, bringing the truth. Today we're debating a gun control bill that's actually six gun control bills in one. And why are there six? Because none of them work. If you take six that don't work and put them together, they're not going to work. You can't make up for ineffective bills by having more than one or half a dozen of them. Each and every one of these gun control bills in this single title is unserious and unconstitutional and suffers from the the problem, the inherent problem that almost all gun control suffers from. And that is criminals do not obey the law. They do not follow the law. Who, who here today thinks that criminals are going to read the Safe Storage Act and, and, you know, some gang member is going to say, oh, I better lock this gun up or else they'll come and take it? Who here today thinks that a, a 19-year-old criminal is going to obey the, 
the restriction on age for uh, having a gun. Nobody here believes this. Congressman Massey is a, a brilliant guy. He's also a supporter of the Second Amendment. And he's also a guy who understands the Constitution and understands what happens when you write laws that will hurt people who follow the law and will restrict the rights of those people and the criminals aren't going to pay any attention. Let's go back a little more, Thomas Massey, talking about these six unconstitutional and dangerous gun control bills. These are unserious, but they're worse than that. They're going to compromise the rights and the safety of individual citizens, law-abiding citizens. Let me tell you the story of Nikki Goser, who's testified here in Congress, and she worked for me in my congressional office. Nikki watched her husband murdered, get murdered in front of her, viciously in a gun-free zone, while her licensed firearm was in her car outside of the restaurant. She, that haunts her today. Ben and her had just recently been married and they just wanted to be in this restaurant and they followed the law and he was murdered by her stalker in front of her. Now she went on to get the laws changed in Tennessee to get rid of that gun-free zone. But that's one example, just one example of how all the rest of these are gonna fail. The criminals do not follow the law. And the biggest thing we could do that nobody on the other side of the aisle is talking about today is to quit advertising our schools as soft zones, soft targets for defenseless teachers, defenseless staff and students who aren't being defended. He's so right. The gun-free zones, and we've gone back to uh, 50 years back, the mass shootings, the majority of mass shootings in this country, more than 90% of them have occurred in gun-free zones. And not giving teachers the option, I'm not saying mandate it, but not giving teachers the option to be properly trained and protect themselves with a firearm in their classrooms is just idiotic. This is all about gun grabbing and gun control. At the same time this was going on in the general house, there, there was uh, a little bit of madness from a Democratic representative whose name I don't even want to give you, because this idiot, this jackwagon, this moron, he's up for re-election. And uh, oddly enough, his district has been redrawn, so he has to face a primary challenge from Bill de Blasio. That tells you what the district is all about. It's very progressive. So he's looking for his progressive bona fides here. And this is, uh, this is what he said about any attempts any attempts to block the Democrats from forcing these gun control bills upon us. If the filibuster obstructs us, we will abolish it. If the Supreme Court objects, we will expand it. And we will not rest until we have taken weapons of war out of circulation in our communities. Hmm, weapons of war, yet he can't define what he means by assault weapon. Can't define, he was asked in the hallway after the session ended, uh, what is a semi-automatic weapon? Because in the, in the minds of, of all these Democrats, they say semi-automatic weapons must be banned. Well, that's most handguns, too. That's most handguns. A semi-automatic weapon is any weapon that you pull the trigger, uh, 
and then you have to pull it again to fire another bullet. You can't just hold the trigger. That's a that's an automatic weapon. Those are basically illegal. You can get one, but it takes a whole lot of uh, finagling of the system, and you have to go through major background checks, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm okay with that. I don't want machine guns out there, but I'm, I'm fine with rifles, semi-automatic rifles. One trigger pull, one bullet. But this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But he did reveal what's going on. The Democrats want to kill the filibuster so they can have mob rule. In other words, 51 votes automatically handles anything and everything in the Senate. The filibuster was designed to protect the minority. And the Democrats would be wise to look at this. They'd be wise to understand that one day they will be in the minority. So if the filibuster's dead and they're in the minority, then they won't get anything done. They don't understand it. And the packing court threat, which I guarantee you will come up once we get the decision in the case that will ultimately kill Roe v. Wade and basically make uh, abortion law changed and put it back in the hands of the state, which is where it belongs in the first place. And when we get the uh, case on concealed carry in New York, that decision, which is expected any day now, too. Those will both bring back the discussion of uh, expanding the court. Just throwing that out there. This is going to be a major source of noise from the Democrats because they've been all about this. Joe Biden was all about taking guns away from people, especially what they call assault rifles. And he talked about it during the um, during the convention when he was uh, when, during the campaign when he was interviewing with uh, Anderson Cooper. To to gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right. If you have an assault weapon, the fact of the matter is they should be illegal, period. So when he uses period, you know, he means business. So this has been on the minds of the Democrats forever and ever and ever. And anytime you try and bring up facts and arguments, uh, people like uh, Representative David, is it Cicilline? They get really upset. And in fact, they get vulgar. So spare me the bullshit about well, constitutional rights. Well, the gentleman not be, No, I will not yield. And I'm not going to yield for my entire five minutes. So don't ask again. So he, he's uh, he's a little upset and. Don't give me anything about these pesky constitutional rights. Hmm. These people are really dangerous. And they don't deserve to be where they are. They certainly don't deserve the power that has been granted to them. I just hope we make sure that we get all the way across the finish line this fall. We have to make sure that the midterms are the wipeout that they are supposed to be, hopefully. Now, there is some, some sign of reasonableness. 21 House Democrats ask leadership to split up the gun package, and those are people who are probably in really tight races that don't want to lose their jobs. We'll talk about this as it gets closer and closer, and I'm sure there'll be more action out of the Senate as well. 
Pelosi says Democrats will vote on the gun package next week. Oh, boy. Can't wait for that. Uh, any news on her husband and his uh, DUI case? I still haven't seen a mugshot. Funny how that has uh, managed to have been blocked from the public. Uh, no one's seen the mugshot for Pelosi's husband caught driving, allegedly driving while under the influence. Kind of amazing. Just completely covered. It's two different legal systems. One for the elected royalty and uh, one for the rest of us. All right. A couple other topics we need to talk about. COVID shots for kids under five are going to be available June 1st. I'm not so sure I would do that. We know that COVID really doesn't affect the kids. There may be some immune compromised children that are more at risk. Uh, Talk to your own doctor. But I'm not convinced that we need to be giving any more shots to anybody, especially if you read the Israeli study, which is getting zero airtime here in America. Zero airtime. The Israeli study that shows um, there may be a connection between a spike in cardiac events, heart attacks in younger people. It coincides with the distribution of the second vaccine shot. Hmm. Curious that, no? Yeah, kind of curious. I wish people would pay a little more attention. I wish we would put the entire story out there. And uh, it it seems like when the entire story is trying to get out there, the administration will try and shut it up. For example, yesterday, the COVID coordinator, White House COVID coordinator, was in the press room yesterday taking questions and talking about the June 21st availability of this uh, COVID vaccine for kids five and under. And then the question was raised about schools being open this fall. I'm a believer that the schools being opened this fall would guarantee Democrats would lose the midterm elections badly. Because that means everybody can go out and vote. You see, closing the schools... And making sure that parents have to stay home and take care of the kids and make sure the Zoom classrooms are going on again. Well, that would force more mail-in ballots to be uh, handed out. And we all know what happens when mail-in ballots are handed out. I'm a big fan of Election Day. And I'd like us to have paper ballots and only have uh, one day of voting. And then we count the ballots and we know the answers that day. France can do it in their national elections. Why can't we do it? Somebody tell me why. For the love of God, the state of Pennsylvania does not yet have an answer on who won the GOP primary. I know it's close, but, you know, it's June now. And you need to get this settled. But uh, back to this case. So the, the COVID coordinator at the White House being asked questions about whether or not schools will be open and KGB has to jump in and cut them off and tell them to get the hell out of here. Schools will and must be open this coming fall. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go. I enforce. Yes, go. I, we're, sorry, we're Yeah. So the question comes up. Uh, where do you stand on schools must and, and will be open this fall? And suddenly KGB goes, you have to go. You have to go. All right, get out of here. And he said, oh, sorry, sorry. The press doesn't push back. They need to. They must push back. They have to push back. But they haven't and they won't. 
I wish they would. I wish they would. All right, before Lauren Fix gets in here, I got a couple of other crazy news stories. Uh, oh, oh, we have to tell you, too. There is a report on the dysfunction in the Biden White House. There are a lot of people leaving. As you know, there are, um, there are rumors, reports, anonymous statements saying that many of the black employees inside the president's staff are leaving. But now there's a report that more than 70 people 70 people it requires 70 people to handle Joe Biden's social media accounts. I want you to think about that. Donald Trump used to handle his own tweets, right? Maybe he had one or two people around him. I'd like to get a number on that, too. But now we understand there are 70 people handling Joe Biden's social media accounts. No, there's no bloated government in the Democratic Party, is there? That's a crazy number. That's an insane number. That's a wasteful government number. That is an example of how these these Democrats just waste money. Speaking of money, the Johnny Depp trial had the verdict earlier this week, and we learned that Amber Heard is going to be liable for about eh, about $8.35 million dollars. Once all the back and forth is settled and the limits on the uh, punitive damages are imposed, about $8.35 million. That's a chunk of change. But her attorneys are telling uh, the, the press and the court she can't afford it. She doesn't have the kind of money and she wants to appeal it because she doesn't think things were handled appropriately. So they're going to appeal it. Johnny Depp says, oh, yeah. Uh, then I want to see your finances. And legal experts are saying, yeah, that's appropriate. We should get Wendy Patrick on the phone and ask her. But I thought one of the most interesting things in all of this was how Joe Rogan handled the Amber Heard verdict. Joe Rogan heard it live as he was recording his his huge podcast and tried to get uh, the the answers or tried to get the verdict Uh, posted on his podcast. So this was fascinating to me that Joe Rogan sitting there listening to it. And I would have thought maybe he was friends with Johnny Depp or maybe being a guy, he would have sided with Johnny Depp through all of this. But I have to admit, I was uh, a little bit surprised to see the reaction from Joe Rogan when he watched the verdict being read. I think the bailiff <gasps> just handed the verdict to the judge. Oh my God, crank it up. Crank it up. Please. Oh my God, the Johnny Depp verdict live. This is insane. <sighs> She's so crazy. I feel like, look, I don't want her to have to pay him money. I really don't. Because I think that, that lady's broken and psychologically she's so damaged. She's so crazy. And I think the real punishment is that it's been exposed to the world how insane she is. Yeah. Like, she's insane, and she's a liar, and it's like, that lady needs to go to the jungle and do some ayahuasca (laughs) and get connected to the mother and then come back and apologize. Okay, so there's Joe Rogan with a soft side and a little bit of sympathy for Amber Heard. I didn't expect that. Of course, I did expect the drug part because that's what he's all about in many ways but he doesn't want amber heard to have to pay he says she's broken enough she's been humiliated and in a way that's kind of an interesting and uh very human reaction very sympathetic reaction 
So I will allow it, Joe Rogan, as if you were worried about me saying I wouldn't allow it at all. Uh, very interesting. Just had to share that with you. Okay, a couple other things. I see we're just getting a warning that uh, Lauren Fix, the car coach, is going to be here. Let me see if there's any other stories. Oh, no more Hojo Colas. The last Howard Johnson's closed in the Lake Georgia area. And uh, so the very first franchise in America, Howard Johnson's was the first franchise. Kind of sad that it's gone. Very sad that it's gone. And the nation of Turkey no longer wants to be called Turkey. They're tired of all the jokes that someone's calling something a turkey. And so they've rebranded themselves. Turkey is now a three-syllable word. And it's insane when their inflation is at like 70%. They're trying to distract what a bad idea. And NPR claiming that AR-15s can be used to behead people. Experts are showing them how wrong they are. All right, she's on hold. Let's get her in here. Lauren Fix, the car coach, next on the Pure Opelka podcast. Our buddy Lauren Fix, the car coach, is back to hang out with us. We have so many things I want to talk about. I have questions for Lauren, and uh, she's going to explain what's coming up on the four-minute Friday this weekend. Uh, Lauren, um, welcome back. First of all, glad you are here, my friend. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, lots of news going on in my crazy automotive world. There is news. And before we get to it, I, I want to tell the audience, I'm curious now. I, I opened the door. I think it's my job to connect as many of my friends as possible. And uh, my buddy, Sebastian Gorka, Dr. Gorka. Is, he's cool. Yeah. yeah, he's very cool. And I know you're a fan of his. And uh, Dr. Gorka, has, he's a Mustang fan like you. And mm -hmm. he just got his Mustang repainted. And he was all excited, did a big reveal on Twitter of him pulling out of the shop that repainted his Mustang. And I was telling you about it. You go, well, if he ever needs parts, tell him I can help him. I'll hook him up. So I connected Lauren and uh, Sebastian Gorka. And Thank I, you. I can't. No, you're welcome. Please. My friends are your friends and vice versa. I cannot wait for you and Dr. Gorka to talk Mustangs together. It's going to be great. <laughs> it will be great. I was just actually telling my husband because it was that's pretty cool. Well, I hope he loves it. You know what? You know, American muscle is really what people are going to miss. There's nothing like firing up that car, listening to the engine rev, and then taking it for a ride and just enjoying the experience. Because what's missing in electric cars, and you know that is, you don't get to use all your senses. Well, obviously, taste is out of it, but you got to hear it. You got to feel it. You got to smell it. It's the, the enjoyment of the whole thing. And you don't get that with electric cars. It's like silence. It's now, the silence, boring. the silence is fun and the silence is cool. That's what libraries are for. Well, yes, of course. But <laughs> there is something to the throaty sound of a tuned exhaust when you punch it and it just goes. Yeah. And then takes off and then you get a nice v8 sure yeah, yeah. or even a six uh, uh twin turbocharged six will make a lovely sound i'll share it with you sometime mm -hmm. but, all right that sounds good but um lauren I, I have to ask you a question before we get to what you want to talk about it's what i want to talk about right now um i've noticed there are a lot of these little boutique cars and they're not exactly little they are car companies that are starting up like the Rivian, like the, at one point, Tesla was a boutique car company. And like this new DeLorean car company, which says they're going to put out an electric gull wing door that will carry forth the spirit of the great 
not so great quality wise uh, DeLorean cars from the 80s is this is this a phenomenon do you ever remember in our lifetimes when there were so many upstart car companies well um there was a lot in the 80s remember like the Bricklin and Everyone was making kit cars. You used to be able to buy them in the back of like Hot Rod and Carcraft magazine. Well, Carcraft is gone. But that was like the thing. You could go back and, you know, buy what you wanted and, you know, and build it based off of like take a Fiero and make it look like a Ferrari or anything like that. But that's sort of gone yeah, now. Yeah, but well, the Bricklin was a Canadian built, really interesting car that the entrepreneurial Malcolm Bricklin put out. And around the same time, a little bit before. John DeLorean made his cars, but those were, I think, outliers. The other cars you're talking about, like you could buy uh, body kits that you can make your your Pontiac Fiero look sportier, or you could mm-hmm. you could buy a Beetle, a Volkswagen Beetle, and you could bolt on another frame that made it look not like a Beetle. But it, in in terms of actual cars that are built from the ground up, I don't ever remember this many little startup companies out there no there's a lot now because of the electric car push and i i think that's interesting because why people think oh anybody can build an electric car some have gone out of business uh local motors who uh, start off by doing a 3d car at the sema show that was cool and everyone thought it was cool so then they somehow they got into making like these little transport buses like for campuses and things like that and now they're gone and now you've got a couple of like Rivian's having some issues suddenly. Uh, but Lucid Air is doing pretty good considering. But then, I mean, I could start listing, you know, Fisker and all these other companies that have come and gone. And they, they keep coming back. They're like gum on the bottom of your shoe. But everyone's trying to be the next Tesla. And the one thing about Tesla is he had a lot of money available to him, whether he got private funding or, you know, people just he's the Pied Piper anyhow. But for the most part, most people don't have that ability to um, start a car company. It's not easy as you and I go, hey, let's do a car company. You know, you have to think about building a car, and even Apple wants to get into that. I don't know if that makes sense for them. They have great Apple CarPlay, just like Android Auto, and it works. And some of the Apple devices that, you know, connect to your car, I just don't know if them making a car makes sense. They have made some products that have not succeeded so you don't want this to be one of them it's a big one and they've lost a couple of their people to other car companies which says people are getting frustrated so that's interesting so i'm going to be watching all of this and and i think you brought up the key point to the success or failure of a lot of these upstart car companies and that is that you have to have a whole lot of money or a whole lot of government money behind you to make it work but even in the case of fisker who back during the the post uh, two thousand and seven two thousand eight financial crash, Fisker got a whole bunch of government money and they oh, yeah. couldn't make it work. So and they failed and they took their our money with it as well as Battery One Two Three, which is the ones that caught fire, which destroyed Fisker. There's a whole bunch. You got Cylindra. We'll go on and on and on. But but the fact is, a lot of times these people like Tesla knew how to get government money. They knew how to get the funds. That's the secret. You need the cash. And a lot of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me. Um, Will any of these cars that get made but then don't go into full production and become a regular car company, will those become real expensive classics that people can sell years later? Mm, 
tough call. Right now, if you own a Brooklyn, good luck selling it. Or old DeLoreans have suddenly come up a little bit in value because of the cars we remember from our youth, which would be the 80s in this case. Uh, people say, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, remember Back to the Future? I want one of those cars. So we're starting to see them come out of the woodwork. They were never great cars. They were six-cylinder vehicles put together by DeLorean who ran out of money and then got involved with a cocaine deal and found his carcass in jail. So, unfortunately... There's never enough cash. And when you're a publicly held company like Rivian, you've got money coming from Cox Automotive, from Amazon, from Ford. And now Ford is pulling their investment. They've pulled most of it out. I think it'll all be gone probably by the end of the year. And when that happens, you lose your cash flow. And that's a problem because you've got to pay these people back. They put money in thinking, where's the product? Show me what you got. And the R1Ts are very cool. I've actually reviewed one. But that doesn't necessarily mean it will survive. And will it be a collectible? Probably not. They're kind of what I call compliance appliances. Well, remember, let's go way, 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 way back to Tucker. The Tucker. That was a cool car. But the other car manufacturer squashed him. Yeah, but he made 53 of them. And there's still a couple of them out there. They're worth a whole lot of money if you've, if oh. you've got one. <laughs> Right, they're worth a ton of money. But remember, at the time, it had some cool technology that didn't even get made into regular production cars until down the road. And there are some exceptions. I mean, Tesla hasn't made money, but they make money off of selling their carbon credits. So he's pretty crafty. But as far as car, the car companies that are out there, the ones that stay small are smart, like Revology. They make uh, reproduction. They take late model cars and make them look like 65 to 68 um, Shelby's and you can buy a regular car that looks like you're driving an old car but it's a new car underneath uh, so that's one thing or Singer who does it with Porsches and they're very expensive they're like 400 grand hmm. um, or you can buy a kit car like a Cobra kit car there's tons of manufacturers out there do all of them make money no many of them have gone out of business so it's one of those things that you have to uh, also decide that if you buy one of these cars whatever brand it might be Will they be there down the road when you need parts? That's sometimes more challenging. Yeah, that's the big problem. And that was one of the major factors in my decision to leave the electric vehicle world to sell my Tesla and come back to the the uh, gooey dinosaur juice-powered BMW that I drive now. So Yeah, uh, but that's a lot more fun to drive, isn't it? You get, all, get to use all your emotions. Well, you know, you speak that way, but that's a whole lot of fun to drive the electric cars because oh, yeah. instant right. throttle response. And, and you know, who knows? I, I'm not saying but, but I'll minute, never come back. But wait a minute, is a car only about instant throttle response? Partially. Part, it's it's a also, very, very small piece of it because it's every day you're inside that vehicle. It better have no problems. It better have great build quality in today's world. I mean, BMW is making electric cars that are pretty impressive. And so is Audi and Jaguar and some of the other manufacturers. When you start looking at the big Mercedes as well, when you start looking at the big picture and you go, huh, I could buy a Hyundai Ioniq that gets me from point A to point B. Okay, that might work. But when I want to go out on the weekend and go for a cruise, that's not what you take. You take your Harley, you take your Mustang, you take your Corvette, you go take something fun. And because you miss that experience on a daily drive, that's not part of it. There's an emotion missing. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay, I, I don't want to take up all our time having these car arguments because you and, <laughs> I, you and I could clear a room. But let's talk about the Four Minute Friday. Since we're talking about uh, electric cars, isn't the Four Minute Friday related to that? 
Some, yeah, somewhat. Uh, how much fossil fuel does it take to power an electric car? I think people think, oh, I'll just plug it in the wall. Electricity, it's wind and solar, it's all good. That is not necessarily true. One of the things that's important to note, and you think, oh, in almost every country this is true. It actually isn't. In the state of California, uh, where solar power is the dominant renewable power source, charging your car at night roughly doubles the amount of fossil fuel used compared to charging it during the day, because 95% of electric cars are charging at night. So it's interesting where they go, oh, charge at night. It's, it's better for the environment and it costs less, but really... 95% of the people are charging at night, so now you're using fossil fuels. And that's true in, in a lot of places. Uh, it's not just California. I use them as the, the premium example of, uh, you know, oh, we can use wind and solar. It's not working. Even Newsom's saying, hey, you know, we're not going to shut down that last nuclear power plant we were talking about because we're going to have rolling brown and blackouts. Okay, that would be a problem, especially considering when there are, are fires there, they need people to get in their vehicles and go away. And if they can't charge their vehicles, that's a massive issue. And there's yeah. a lot of other issues, too. But and so can you put a dollar amount on recharging a car or is it so different because the range is so different on each car? It's hard to put an exact dollar amount on. I think what the whole goal of this was to let people understand that charging an electric car is not free. And that people need to understand that if you're going to use an electric car, that's great. But know that you are still using fossil fuels. And all those cool-looking cars and great-looking lines and really pretty. And I just uh, put a post up on the Genesis GV60. Great car. Mind you, most of it is electric. Hmm. And that's what people don't – oh, it's all electric. But I'm saying, mind you, most of it is, is something you need to think about because this means you're using fossil fuels to make all those – Pretty electric components. Yeah, and in most cases, coal-fired power plants. So mm -hmm. if you're going to be uh, Mr. Environmentalist, Mr. Green New Deal, and say, I'm charging my electric car, yes, you're probably using a coal-fired power plant to do so. Or a yep. nuclear plant, which I, I'm pro-nuclear. So, um, Lauren, even if we're at 3% ownership of uh, electric cars in this country, uh, if we get to 10%, are we going to have enough power? No. Uh, wind and solar can come to a maximum of 18%. That's the maximum load they can offer the grid. The rest has to come from something else. So what does that really mean? That means that the average consumer is still going to need fossil fuels. You cannot eliminate fossil fuels out of your life. I've talked about this in past segments with you and my Friday segments. Literally everything you touch, cotton, glass, your desk, your computer, your phone, your water bottle, your metal water bottle, everything is processed with petroleum, including the medications you take. Wow. It's okay. crazy. Okay, They're people. The, the electric car is not the answer. And completely removing ourselves from electric power can't be done overnight, can't be done over a decade. It's going to take longer. Maybe not be able to done at all. Yeah. Maybe not be able to be done at all. We need to start being honest with ourselves. That's why I hang out with Lauren Fix, the car coach, and you should too. Follow her on social media. You should check out the YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports, and see what Lauren's putting down. My friend, thank you. Come back next week. Let's have another chat. All right. Let's do it.